Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. After an illustrious career spanning more than 40 years focused on supply chain, logistics, retail, and sales at UPS, including the UPS store, Rocky Romanella founded 360 Management Services, a management consulting firm specializing in executive speaking, leadership development, and consulting services. In today's episode, Rocky gives us tips for how to deal with and overcome toxic work environments. Welcome to Lifeology. Hey, James, how are you? I should have just said I was old. It was probably a lot easier, right? <laughs> it's funny. When you're having your publicist, your daughter, Nicole, which is fantastic, by the way. So those of you who struggle with any uh, dieting is issues, go to her website, mondaydieter.com. You'll learn so much from her. Anyway, so when Nicole and I put this information in there, she had so much of her backstory. And I was like, oh my God, I can't say all that. So I parsed it down. So it doesn't even encapsulate or encompass all the things that you've done. So I'm so happy that you're back on my show. My viewers may not remember this, or actually my listeners, I think you were on my show a couple years ago. Well, a couple times back in 2016. So I'm dating this, this as it's now in 2022. So we look the same, obviously, obviously. Oh, but- I, I, I actually think you look better, my friend. You're looking good. I'm telling you, very impressive. I like your new gigs there. So yes, yes. But it's been a while. I appreciate that. It has been a while. But you've done so many things. So I know, and, and I will link uh, your previous shows in the show notes here, but give us a little bit of your backstory. You started in 1976. And everything happened from there. So there, there you go. There's the old part, right? June 15, 1976, <laughs> started out part-time on loading showers at UPS, working my way through college. And uh, uh-huh. UPS had a promotion from within policy, which, you know, I took took advantage of. And uh, But the irony there, James, is I originally went to school to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And oh. Then what I re- yeah, right. That's funny. I didn't know that. And what I realized, though, was the best leaders were those people who can get their people to connect the dots. I'm really teachers. And so I changed, mm-hmm. you know, my major to management, but I never gave up my passion for teaching and coaching. And so uh got promoted through UPS, was a UPS driver. Uh always had the Chris Browns, man. My grandmother used to press my Browns at night. None. That's funny. So, uh, and then was a driver and then uh, worked my way up. And the interesting thing, quickly uh, is that I did a lot of non-traditional things at UPS. So we purchased mailbox, et cetera. Rebranded to the UPS store, had the opportunity to run that for UPS and managed through the rebranding. And then we put wow. together 
uh, after about 24 uh, acquisitions, UPS supply chain, and I ran this side mm-hmm. of the world for UPS. And so th- those were all interesting, fun things. Retired from UPS, uh, was 55 with 36 years. So I had the opportunity to do some more things. We ran a telecom company. We built cell towers, upgraded cell towers. And then wow. uh, we sold that, started 360 management services. So as you can tell, James, my biggest failure was retirement. Just don't know how to do that again. <laughs> Well, now you have eight grandchildren, so I don't think you're really retired now. So I'm saying congratulations no, on that. Yeah, that's they keep you young, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. <laughs> With all that, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? I mean, that's it's kind of hard to throw it all together into one sentence, but what's the biggest lesson you you've know, learned? It's a, you know, it's interesting. It's a couple things. Uh, I think when it comes to work-life balance, it, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that my kids always laugh in the calls like that, where, you know, how come you didn't realize this, you know, 30 years ago? But <laughs> in fact, your husband's been, husband's been busy at work right now, as he said to the uh, show on the other day. I'm starting to have flashbacks to my childhood. You're not home that much. But <laughs> uh I think, James, the biggest lesson learned there was the difference between nice to do things and need to do things. And I think, yeah. I think what, I think what happens is you put everything in that bucket of need to do, right? Cause you believe you need to do these things. Mm-hmm. You, you want to make a good impression. You know, you got great energy and enthusiasm, which is all wonderful traits. But when you start to put everything in need to do, you start to find out as you look back that you did a lot of nice to do things in the need to do category. And you could have taken those nice to do things and uh, put them on the side. And then maybe got a chance to go to a dance recital or a cheerleading or a, a baseball game. So I think that was one of the lessons I look back and I, re, I really, you know, kind of think about and say, wow, I wish I could have done a better job of understanding the difference between nice to do and need to do, which then would have mm-hmm. got me a much better work-life balance. So I think, I think that's it. Well, I think we could also translate that to other areas in our life as well. So the the have to do and the want to do versus also the needs and wants. So I know I've worked with right. a lot of people when it comes to dating. I need this in relationship, but a lot of times those needs yeah. are wants. And so the needs yes. are the deal breakers and the wants are the kind of the bells and whistles that come, you know, that's great. So I think the same concept as well. I have to do this for work versus, well, I can, but maybe I should put it off to, in that different bucket, like you said, and, and push it off to a different time as well to spend time with my family. That's a great point. Great point. I think the other thing, the second thing for me would have been this whole concept of don't let your highs get too highs and your lows get too Mm. Those are probably the two things I look back and I'm like, well, I wish I would have been able to understand that difference between nice to do, need to do, and understand that don't let your highs get too highs and lows get too low. I'm sorry, Dave. No, no, that's totally fine. I think that's a really good point because, and I want to segue that into toxic work relationships because I think if, if a person isn't able to regulate that within themselves, too much of the highs, so like, ah, oh, this is great. And then when you fall, it's so earth shattering, like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden you lose, you lose your steam. But I think with that, if a person struggles with regulating that, then I think that can lead into toxic work relationships because they may have a boss who asks for more and they're not able to set those boundaries or vice versa. They, they just struggle and create their own toxic environment because they're burnt out because they've overly given that's on their own accord. And that, that can, that can really impact the, the culture, the work culture in a negative way. Oh yeah. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. What would you say to that? How would people be able to regulate that? Well, I think what to ends not up be part of the toxic is- relationships. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because I think, you know, these toxic relationships or this toxic environment that you may be in. Now, it's interesting because from a, at a, at a macro level, I mean, there are good companies to work for, but mm-hmm. inside those good companies, there are these micro toxic work environments where you just happen to work for a bad boss, right? Or you just happen yeah. to work for mm-hmm. a difficult individual. And, and I think, I think it starts out with at, at, you know, at the core of the problem is that that leader has made things all about themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I think one of the, one of the things leaders need to understand, it's never about you as a leader. It's always about your people. I mean, how many times we work for someone who says, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be sitting at that meeting, have to answer these questions. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, you got the raise. You're making more money than I do. Didn't you want that job? And so I think James, it's right. right? I think it starts there with that. It's all about them. And then there are mm-hmm. things that they, that there are things that they do that we can talk about along, you know, in that process that really kind of really start to really make it a very difficult place to work. Like, for example, you know, uh, I'm sending you emails at off hours and, and, and clearly I know that you're that hype, you're that person that's going to read that email. And so, mm-hmm. you know, why am I sending it to you at nine o'clock at night? Or why am I sending you an email on Saturday morning? And I'm saying to you in that email, Hey, you know what? Don't, you know, don't take a look mm-hmm. at this now, but I just wanted it to be there for you on Monday morning. Well, send it to me on Monday morning, but but yeah. I know that you're going to open it. I know you're probably going to work on it. So that's an example of one of those kinds of things where you're putting me in that position that I really can't have a work-life balance. And that's the difficulty of kind of working remotely is that your laptop's always mm-hmm. on and you're always getting emails. You're always getting that bing, bing, you know, <laughs> another yes, email. Yes. <laughs> no. But that also makes me think as well as often we don't realize if it's a toxic work environment. What are ways in which we can do a self-monitoring? I mean, that was a good example as far as, uh, perhaps your, your boss or whomever is not respecting your off work hours, but are there other ways in which we can recognize if an, a work environment is not healthy for us? Yeah. And I, I, I think it's, you know, there's a couple of things I think that always jump out at me, you know, th- does the person you work for, do they value you as an individual? Do they view you as part of the problem or part of the solution? Cause if they view you as part of the solution, then they're going to give you more authority that goes with the responsibility. Mm-hmm. They're going to make you feel valued. Right. And I think that that's, that's one of the things. I mean, do they view me as part of the problem that they don't think I can get things done? So therefore they do it all themselves. They don't know how to delegate. Maybe they don't know how to delegate or they choose not to delegate. Either way, though, I don't feel valuable. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they don't respect my time. We talked about emails, but how about the mm-hmm. person who assigns you a task and says, hey, can you write this for me? Let's say you're in a communication function. Can you write this memo out to the organization? You, you know, you you take your time, you take pride in what you, how you wrote that email or wrote that memo. And yet when they come back, they're wordsmithing it. What's it? It's like, it's oh, like no. they become the human thesaurus. Is there really a difference between that word and that word? I don't think so, but no, they got to change. The word. There's always got to be some correction. Right. And so yeah. that's, it doesn't make you feel value. You almost look at them and say, look, why don't you tell me exactly what it is you want me to write? And I'll just be the person to scribe. I go from being the editor and author to the scribe. I'm okay with that. So I think those are the kinds of things that begin to let you know, Hey, I don't feel valued here. And if you don't feel mm-hmm. valued, you know, you know, I t- look, James, you, you know, you said, we talked about in the beginning, right? In the introduction, I, you know, I worked at UPS for 36 years. I didn't agree with everything that happened at UPS. Sure. I didn't disagree enough to leave. Oh, and that's, that's, that's because that's I, didn't, I didn't have that toxic work environment. It wasn't mm-hmm. a perfect day every day. I had my mm-hmm. difficulties. But I felt valued, my, my, my ethics, you know, my mm-hmm. values as a person. I feel like, fit. I always give the example when you take your, when you take your kids to a college, right? Or you, you know, you go visit a college on a visit mm-hmm. and you can just see when they walk around and, and they fit, they, they feel like yeah. they belong, right? And that's what you want your people in your organization, the people in your care as a leader to feel like they belong. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Doesn't mean they agree with everything but they don't disagree enough to leave. It's not toxic. I, I feel valued and I can work through the disagreement, but, I, but we're not disagreeable. And I think that's a really good point because often we 
do get overwhelmed and frustrated. And so we just leave. But I think when you look at it systemically, in other words, you look at it as a whole, yes, you might feel frustrated about certain things. But if you do have that, if you do feel valued, if you can take a step back from our first response, right. the first response is our, our immediate response. Like, oh, I can't believe this. But a little bit of perspective says, oh, okay, you know, Overall, I do feel valued. I may not feel valued in this particular moment, but let me look at this and see if there's a way that we can work around that. But speaking of that, though, is is there a time when people can say, you know what, there's too much for me? So this can be from a leader or from one of the one of the subordinates to say this environment is too much. It is time for me to go. Are there ways in which we can monitor that? Yes, it's time to go. Versus, okay, maybe I need a little bit of perspective here. Maybe it's not as bad as I think because I think that's a tricky slope of how people can really look at that. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a great point. I also think you bring up that point that that this is when probably the mentor becomes the key mm. player in this whole process, right? We don't talk yeah. enough about that, right? Because all of us, when we had those moments where you drove home at night thinking, this is it, it's done, I can't take it anymore, these people are crazy. But then there's always that mentor who kind of, takes, whether it's a virtual walk around the building with you today or, the, you know, that walk around the building where, you know, hey, is this really the hill to die on? Is this, you know, and so you see that with families, right? When you have that disagreement and 10 years later, people are like, what did we really argue about you know, at the kitchen table? <laughs> exactly. what, what was it on that Thanksgiving that forced us to never talk yeah. to each other, right? So I think that it's that mentor, it becomes very important. And if you don't have that mentor inside an organization, it's difficult, right? Because then you're wondering, you, there's no double check for yourself right? Who do mm -hmm. I call to double check? Who do I have that conversation with that, uh, you know, am I looking at this wrong? Am I viewing this wrong? So I think that that's where, that's a, a critical component of how you get through those difficult times is, is having that individual, having that mentor, having that person who says, hey, I got to tell you, I, I went through that same thing. You, mm -hmm. you know, you got to hang in there. Or they could say to you, you know what, it's probably time for you to, it, maybe it is time for you to move on. You sure. just don't, you know, and I think but that validation is so important to you, whether it's, am I thinking about this right? Or whether it maybe it is time for me to go. So I think that that's probably one of the things to, to look for and, and understand that, you know, this is why mentorship is so important. And this is why it's good for me to have that kind of mentor inside an organization. We'll be right back. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Rocky Romanella, who has over 45 years in leadership development. He worked at the UBS store, he worked at Unitech, and has his own company, 360 Management. We're talking today about toxic work environments and how to recognize the signs and when it's time to go. Rocky, one of the things you just said a second ago was, was really interesting in the sense of finding a mentor. Now, some companies actually have mentors, uh, have mentorship programs, and others don't. How would a leader look for their own mentor within the organization and vice versa. How does a subordinate um, reach out to someone as well? That's a, that's a great question. Cause sometimes, especially if you're in a situation where it's not a formal program, like the formal programs are a little bit easier, but, mm -hmm. but if you don't have a formal program inside the organization, what, you know, there's opportunities for, for example, if you're going through your career development process, you know, you're sitting there, 
whatever time of the year your organization does it, or you're having that kind of conversation with the person that, uh, you know, you, you, you work for in this particular case, you, that's a good conversation to have. Hey, you know what, you know, what, what do we look like in the next six months, 18 months, three years from now, you know, from a career perspective, what are the things that I need to do to help improve myself? And I think when you start to go through that process, the natural conversation would be is, well, who inside this organization do you think I should be reaching out to? Is there someone that you mm-hmm. think could be a really, a really good person for me to have this conversation with? And they may say it's themselves. That may be when they say, Hey, you know what? I, you know what? Let's, let's start, uh, you know, let me be your mentor or let's work through mm-hmm. this different process. Oh, you know, so-and-so is really good. You know, for example, if maybe you struggle with, uh, public speaking or speaking in groups and there's someone inside the organization that does a lot of those kinds of things or you've seen someone. Another way is you've seen someone, you've been at a, a company meeting and there's an individual there who's really dynamic and you've, you know, you, you walked away, you know, touch, you had an aha moment from that individual. Yeah. Not bad to go up and say, Hey, I really enjoyed your, your, you know, your talk. I it really made a difference. And I'd love to be able to understand how, how did you, you know, what are the things that you do to get there, man? It was amazing. And, and that sort of recognition for them means a lot, but also for you, you begin that process. Oh, you know, most people, especially genuine people will be, Hey, you know what? Give me a call if you have a problem or whatever. So that begins that mentorship problem in an informal way. And then you, you could either move to a formal one in the sense of that person wants to be your mentor or wants to participate or send you, or if your organization has that, that, that kind of formal mentorship, but, but it's so important. I think back on my career, those individuals who impacted me the most, and, you know, and by the way, mentorship comes from more than just, you know, the formal, you know, next level in an organization or mm, someone in a different function. I would say that, you know, I have those three or four people who I think about and I sometimes smile, like when I'll ask a question or say something, I'm like, it's not just like so-and-so when I worked for them 30 years ago. <laughs> and I never thought, by the way, I never thought they were someone I was going to be a lot like. And then for me, the two not or you know, of course, in my in, in my youth, it was my dad, you know, who since passed, but just so much of what I think and do. But I got to tell you, my greatest, and I don't know if we'll have time today, but in my my greatest leadership lesson came from my wife, Debbie Romanello. Oh, really? Yes. Well, well, well maybe I'll have her on my show as well. <laughs> yeah. The greatest, my, greatest, my greatest leadership lesson came from Deb. Wow, I would like to meet her sometime. But that makes me transition into your book, Tighten the Lug Nuts, The Principles of Balanced Leadership. I you That came out in 2016, I think shortly after, um, or shortly before you and I met. But that is, book has done so well. I know it's been an Amazon number of bestseller and it's, it's fantastic. So, But in that, in, in, your, in your book, Tighten the Lug Nuts, you talk about a lot of the different principles of a balanced leadership. And I think that is one thing where all of us, whether you are CEO of a company or whether you are the quote, leader of your household or, or friend group, whatever it might be, but I think we can all learn from that. Tell us more about this book. Oh, thank you, James, for asking. So, so the book is sort of the, you know, the journey of, of a, you know, of a career, but it was, it's written a third person and because I never mm-hmm. liked that feeling of saying, you know, I would do this, or I think you should do that yeah. or, you know, and so, uh, years ago when I was at a meeting at UPS, we were sitting there and someone brought an idea. It was a really good idea. And I could see by the look on their face when I said, well, what if you thought of it this way? I felt like I was, it was, it was taken negatively. So from that point forward, I don't know what possessed me. I said, Hey, what do you think Joe Scaffone would do? And they looked at me like, Joe Scaffone? I go, Oh yeah, Joe Scaffone would like to know what you would do. Well, sure enough, that became the joke throughout my career, you know, Joe Scaffone. And so the book's written in this third person, Joe Scaffone. And it's, 
it's kind of the history uh, uh, and the things I've learned along the way, the wonderful people I've met and people who've mentored me and helped me and hopefully some of the things I've done to help them. And so we talk about this concept of balanced leadership, but it's a journey. So you'll enjoy the book from that perspective. Uh, and then I think the the aha moments, each chapter kind of stands mm-hmm. on its own from from lessons. And uh, and so I think it's, been, you know, I've enjoyed it. I love when people read the book and they'll send me, hey, this was my favorite story. Did you really do that? Or is that really happened? <laughs> so it's, a, it's a great funny. from that perspective, but I hope they uh, enjoy it. And of course the book, title tighten the lug nuts comes from a story in the book and i'll let you i'll let you read but just remember when lug nuts are loose they're important when you mm. don't tighten them they become urgent you can only handle so many urgent things so tighten your lug nuts very well written i i, I i'm really looking forward to having my viewers and listeners purchase it as well i was thinking though as you were talking about that a balanced leader i, I think sometimes perhaps new leaders or just leaders it doesn't really matter i guess how long you've been a leader but Often we think we have to get it right all the time. We have to have the best response, the most optimal response. And if it doesn't happen as a leader, we can turn inward and think, oh my God, what's wrong? I can't believe I got that wrong. Or we just have some insecurities. How would you help people really understand what a balanced leader means? That's as far as work-life balance, but it's also sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. There's a balance there. Yeah, there's a balance in everything you do. And by the way, you know, uh, extremes are no good on either side. And so the balanced leadership approach starts with this whole concept of there's three key constituents in all your decision-making processes. There's your customers, your people, your shareholders, and stakeholders. And there are different times when one will take a little bit of a lead, but they're all recognized in your decision-making process. So this process helps keep you balanced. And so for me, for example, if James, you brought me a new idea, I would listen intently. And if during your presentation of this new product, for example, all the customers are represented wonderfully good. Mm-hmm. How, you know, of course, the CFO, he or she's banging a calculator at ah, that price point. We can make money. All right. So, But if at some point you didn't talk about your, our people, how they're going to get trained, mm-hmm. do they understand why it's an important product, then I would know we're out of balance. And so for me, oh, that keeps me in balance. So I always try to make sure that all the constituents are represented. And then I always try to make sure that I end with the concept of acting like an owner. And so, for example, this, you know, once we kind of went through the presentation and all three were represented, we all think it's ready to go. I'd ask the question, hey, if you were writing this, you know, check out of your personal checking account, this was your candy store, would you do it? And, you know, when mm-hmm. people say, yeah, yeah, I would do it. I'd write that check. Well, then I know they're committed. Then I know that... Mm. They're, they're ready to go. And so I feel good. So it starts the process of me feeling good about the fact we're balanced. The key constituents are represented. They're, they're all in. And then, then, then you move forward in balance. So I, then I try everything I try to do. I try to do things in balance. So I, so I think that that's what's so important to your point, you know, the work-life balance part of it, right? Difference between nice to do and need to do kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Your emotional roller coaster. Hey, don't let your highs get too highs and lows get too lows. That to me is all about this concept of balance, but it starts with this whole process of balanced leadership and your ability to make decisions in balance with these three key constituents. I always felt so much better at the end of a decision. I I didn't double check Mm. myself as much. I didn't, you know, and and then the other thing is I was so much more willing to give the person the authority who gave me the idea because they were all in, right? They said, I'd write out of my own personal Mm. checking account. Well, I don't need to overmanage them. I just need to be the cheerleader at them. Wow. I really like that. Cause I, I, I know, I know people listening and watching this right now can think about their own business. And once again, business can be something you own. It can be, um, it can be even your family system, which is a form of a business. There's money coming in, yeah. money coming out. Everybody has jobs. So I think to really think about that, to create your own model of what balance looks like. So for you, obviously in your companies, there's three constituents, uh, the sales, the, um, 
the culture of the employees and also uh, the customer. And so I think I got that right. And so with that, you, you want to look at that in your own system. What does that look like? And so when you can create your modality to find that balance as you make decisions, as you move forward as a leader of whatever it might be, I think you will really find that that balanced aspect of it allows for you to have a peace of mind that you are able to be a successful person. No, I think I think you're right. And the other thing too is you start to gain consistency in your approach and your process, which is helpful to you, but also to your people, mm -hmm. right? Because they know yeah. they know what to expect, right? Whether it's the PTA, whether it's the soccer field, or whether it's your business, right? You know what to expect, right? You know when I come mm -hmm. to, you know, I, I know when I come to the field to play. This is what the coach expects of me, and I think when people know what's expected of them they get so much more clarity and so much more confidence, which is what you want, right? You know, cause your job as the leader is to put, or the coach is to put your people in the best position to be successful. And you do that by, by, by letting them understand what it is that you expect of them. And so, and look, when, when, you know, one thing James always says, true empowerment's when people discipline themselves. And so hmm. when you give people the authority goes with their response, they're more upset about failure than you are, right? They let you down, yeah. right? You so, so you don't become the master of the obvious and say, hey, by the way, we, we missed our business plan. It's, and they're so upset you can say, no, it's the opposite. It's okay. We're going to get through this. What do you want to do? What help you need from me? How do we fix the next quarter? But that's when you have that uh, empowered individual, they're disciplining themselves. You, you're there to help at that particular point. And I think that's the greatest feeling you get as a leader, that they care so much about the business that they're disciplining themselves. Well, now, now you can help mm. them. Now you can be that positive individual who's helping them through the, the the challenges of what just took place and how they fix it going forward. Well said. And that's Unfortunately, a, by the way, that's that's one of the ways you find out you're in a toxic work environment is that you know yeah. it, you know they don't accept their responsibilities as a leader, so therefore it's always your fault. I mean, you got your own responsibilities, mm. and now yeah. you got. You, you know, you, you're their problem. Like, excuse me, how is that? Why, what do I got? Why is this funnel ending here with me, right? That's funny. Well, unfortunately, our time is up. Rocky Romanell, it's so good to have you back on my show. Like I said, I will put in all the information from your previous shows. Uh, yeah, so many people can hear all your backstory, learn more about Titan Lug Notes. That was in previous episodes. But also, thank you so much uh, for joining with us today and talking to us about toxic work environments, how to be a healthy, more balanced leader. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you, to purchase your book as well, to read all the things you've done. I know you wrote an article with Forbes and you've done so many other things. Where will they find all this information online? Yeah, James, uh, tightenthelugnuts.com. And also, I just started a new shortcast. It's three to five minute podcast, a couple of times a week on, on leadership kind of topics. So it's all there on that website, tightenthelugnuts.com. It's a pleasure to be on your show and an honor to be asked back again. Oh, I appreciate that. Once again, my viewers and listeners also know that if you can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link all the information for Rocky Romanella and Tighten the Lug Notes, Tighten the Lug Notes as well. Rocky, thanks so much for a fantastic guest oh, today. Thank you, James. Be safe. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.